0: The coining of the word photography is usually attributed to a mathematician, astronomer, and inventor of what we know as the blueprint. And his name is John Herschel. And he coined this phrase in 1839. And if you listen to the word photography, it's divided up and it's a Greek origin into two different parts. Photos, which means light, and graph, G-R-A-P-H-E, which means drawing. In other words, when he came up with it, the integration of these two words really meant drawing with light. 50 years later or so in 1884, George Eastman of Rochester, New York, developed a dry gel on paper to replace what photographers knew as a photographic plate so that the photographer no longer needed to carry all of these boxes of plates and toxic chemicals. And in July of 1888, Eastman Kodak went to the market with the slogan, you press the button, we do the rest. Since then, photography came into its own and has twist and turned and evolved in ways that were unimaginable. But what has not twisted and turned are the people who tend to gravitate to photography, either as a profession, as a passion, or both. And today's guest. His name is Ben Shimon, and he's got a day job as a financial services executive. But in every fiber of his being, he represents the drawing, the light, the passion, the purpose of photography. And it is my pleasure to welcome Ben Shimon to a climb to the top. Ben, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. It's great to have you here. As I mentioned, photography to many people is a Profession. Photography is a passion. And to you, while you got a day job doing something else. What is it about photography that led you to be so passionate about it?
1: Well, that's a that's a great question. And I probably could probably spend the entire show answering that. But there's there's something about composing an image, researching a subject, understanding maybe in the case of the wildlife photography that I do, how they behave, capturing that image. Maybe it turns out the exact way that you thought it would. Maybe you had to adjust and it doesn't come out quite the way that you thought it would, but it comes out great anyway. (laughs) Being able to then share those moments with family and friends and colleagues and clients and give them some joy, uh, because they weren't able to be there at that moment, but they can, they can get a sense or a feel for, for what it was uh, that, that was so special about, about that moment in time.
0: Yeah, now I'm glad we started there because I would like to get the, the, the establishment of what you do when you're not in photography. Give us your background, Ben.
1: Well, I, I, I actually started my career after business school uh, working as a financial analyst and then hedge fund manager. I've worked uh, for a time for a solar energy company on the West Coast. As a uh, financial executive, and then I, I've spent the last uh, almost ten years working in in sales, uh, in fintech, and uh, so that's and that's currently what I what I still do as my as my full time gig. Uh, yeah, through, throughout so
0: the, throughout the course of time, when did this photography bug hit you, and where in your career were you when you started to take it seriously? I
1: think that's a great question. I my grandfather was a photographer. Ah, and it's in the DNA. So it is in the DNA. <laughs> and he used to shoot weddings and bar mitzvahs. And, uh, <laughs> right. My parents are both pretty adept holding a camera. And uh, growing up, I always had I always had a camera in my hand. Uh, whenever we went away on places like vacations or whatever, I had I had my own little camera. And uh, but it wasn't until I would say uh, 2000, right after two, 2002 2003, that I began to take pictures of. Uh, bands in in the city, at jazz clubs, at rock and roll clubs. And I was shooting film at the time, slides. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoyed that. Uh, Those types of photos are very difficult to take, especially when you're not shooting digital, because you get no immediate feedback as as to what the image looks like. But I found myself at the US Open, uh, I guess in about 2002, 2003. And um, I was taking pictures of the Maria Sharapova match. I was blessed to have uh, the set, right in the front row. I was there with actually with Bank of America, right behind me, photographer's box, and there was a photographer sitting in front of me. His name was Anthony Cossey. He was a photographer for the New York Post, and uh, he since has become a friend of mine, uh, although he's no longer alive today uh, from COVID. But uh, he handed me a 300 millimeter lens, and he said, "Put this on your camera," and I did, and. I began to look through a lens on my camera cuz I was shooting Canon and he shot Canon so it was compatible that I had never seen the world like that before and I fell in love with it immediately wow.
0: and that, that uh, moment that moment changed the way you saw photography it
1: was at that moment that it changed the way I saw the world right uh, until you look through a long telephoto lens for the very first time that's not something that's normal when you when you look around Right. Uh, so if they say that they call a 50 millimeter lens, the normal lens, because it sees like the human eye right. in terms of focal length,
0: right. 300
1: millimeters. That's not something you see. That's like looking through a telescope. And uh, it changed the way that I, and I, and I fell in love with photography at that very moment. And I was able to uh, get on the sidelines, uh, go buy some equipment, get on the sidelines of my alma mater, which was Columbia university and shoot some football games. Mm-hmm. And it turned out that the fund that I worked for um the Tish family was, it was a client at the time, and uh, my boss saw my photos and he was the founder. And he said to me, do you mind if I show this to the Tishes? And I said, sure, go ahead. It was my football photography from Columbia University. Mm-hmm. And uh, the next thing I knew, um, I was contacted and asked to shoot a game for the New York Giants. Hmm. And it turned out- You um, didn't have to
0: give that a lot of thought, did you?
1: I didn't have to give that a lot of thought. And, and, and I'll always remember, the, 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 the that first experience that I had, because it was also Eli Manning's first game. It was a game against the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Michael Vick was the quarterback for Atlanta at the time. And Eli Manning's first game was also my first game. They retired his number yesterday uh, at, at, at Medlife Stadium. And uh, it took off from there. And I was blessed to shoot for 10 years for the National Football League. And uh, I shot for eight years for the Giants and two years for the 49ers. And um, I I ended up falling in love with with, with photography as a result. And uh, now my interest is more in wildlife.
0: Yeah, in fact, but before we and to to our listeners or actually to our viewers, you're in for a treat. We're going to do something we've never done on a climb to the top. And for those listening on Spotify, Amazon, Apple or C-suite, unfortunately, you don't have a view. So I'm going to ask you if you can, if you're listening now to shut off the radio. God forbid I ask anyone to shut it off and to go to Chuck Garcia's YouTube channel. Because what I've asked Ben to do, because we all live in such a visual world, do we truly understand the nature of what it is a photographer provides? And can we see a picture in the same way? So Ben, what I would like to do before we get into the picture, you took a picture of athletes, which one could say is certainly wildlife but they're human beings doing what it is they're paid to do. And that's a beautiful thing. Yet when you and I came into each other's lives, I related to you because I've climbed Mount Kilimanjaro and I have seen the wildlife at the bottom of that mountain, which we're looking at now. And I was so dumbfounded at the beauty and the quality of of those pictures that I'd never quite seen that way. I said, we've got to do something different. So before we get into some sure. of the, your, your library, what is it about the wildlife that so captivated you to change focus from professional athletes to the animals?
1: Sure. I, I, I'd say that's a great question. And I've given a lot of thought to that. You know, why is it that I love this so much? Uh, I, I think that one of the things that I learned taking pictures in nightclubs was all about ambient light. And when you're shooting outdoors, you've got to learn to, to deal with whatever light nature provides you. When you are shooting professional athletes, the moment can be very, very fleeting. Right. So when you are out in the wilderness and you're dealing with a subject like an animal that whose behavior is, if they're wild, they're unpredictable. And you've got to learn to deal with the elements that nature gives you at that moment. And the moment can be fleeting. I think all the things that I've done in the past lead up to why wildlife kind of fits what I love to do. And I just find wildlife fascinating because it's an opportunity to take a picture that's unique. When you shoot for the National Football League, you're on the sidelines and there could be 75 other photographers. And they're all lined up, and they are immensely talented people, but they're all taking a picture of the same thing at the same time. Uh, I could assure you that this image behind me, which is a, uh, I'll lean over a little bit, the giraffe in front of Kilimanjaro, no one else uh, has this image at this time, at this place in time, because we were the only ones there. (laughs) And to me, that gives me a great sense of joy. It's moments before sunset, sunset, and, and, and it's a unique thing. Right. And as a result, uh, when you take pictures of wildlife, um, you have the opportunity to really shoot something and share something with people that has uh, that that that's completely unique. And, and, and I love that.
0: Yeah. No, well, when I saw your pictures and it seemed when I looked at your pictures, I didn't have to go to Africa to see them. In fact, some of them were in my backyard in Central Park. It was wonderful to see. So help us to understand by first putting up your first chosen photo, what are we looking at, and how did you feel in the moment of capturing that when you came to review it?
1: Well, this photo was taken in Lewa uh, Conservatory, which is in Kenya, and it was moments before sunset. This is right at dusk, And we were taking pictures. Uh, When you're in Lewa, Kenya, you go there to take pictures of rhinos. It it is the rhino capital of of Africa, if not the entire world. Mm. And uh, we were were concluding our day and getting ready to go back to camp because it was simply getting too dark to take any more pictures. But I I noticed on the horizon, and so did the driver of our Jeep, that there were these four ostrich almost panic-stricken about a hundred yards away and uh, I was able to get this picture of them which I which i it's one of my favorite images because it lends itself so well to black and white photography
0: right.
1: and uh, every time I show this image to people it begs the question what caption would you put on it what are they what are these ostrich talking about Uh, And it almost seems like the three on the left are listening to the one on the right. And I actually call this image Order in the Court.
0: Uh, (laughs) Is a judge.
1: All the uh, the images today that I'm going to show are are part of my limited edition um, prints that are available on my website. And those I I always give names to. So this is Order in the Court. And uh, the question is, what are these three talking about? Uh, are they saying let's get the hell out of here or, or, or is, the, is, the, is, the, uh, is the restaurant that makes ostrich burgers uh, coming for us? But it, it was clear that they were panicked about something. Maybe there was a lion or a predator in the area that we couldn't see. But uh, this was one of my, the images that I took. It was very spontaneous, which was uh, unusual for me. Uh, usually I like to think about what I'm doing and playing what I'm doing, but there was no time for that. This was one of those things where it was you had to get the image immediately. And be fast, uh, just like shooting
0: sports, maybe. And uh, well, this tells such a beautiful story because when I first looked at it, it reminded me I have four children, and and when I think about sometimes, I looked at that ostrich who is the third from the left as the mother or the father, whatever it may be. It's as if the three are looking for guidance. What do we do now? now? Right, and, and you can see all eyes on the matron, the patron, whoever that may be. This is not something that, that I, I don't know what other interpretations will be, but this must fuel your love for t- photography because everybody may see something different.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- this is an image where, where people can definitely see something different. And I remember when I got back to the, to the camp, And I had had dinner and I'm sitting at the bar and I'm going through some images and having a nice glass of scotch. And I'm going through the images and the gentleman who was the manager of the entire camp comes up to me and he's looking over my shoulder and he says to me, put that in black and white. Mm -hmm. And I did. And And he said to me, that's something David would have shot. And I know exactly who David is. David is David Yarrow. And to use my name and David Yarrow in the same sentence is like, it, it, it's like using a child and a professional athlete in the same sentence. But
0: uh, he's the Michael Jordan uh, of
1: photography. Yeah, I, yeah, we had talked about this earlier. Yeah, right. Wayne Gretzky of photography, right. and uh, the Babe Ruth of, of wildlife photography, and right. and and uh, all his work is in black and white, and it's so captivating and unique, and, and tells stories that are that are that are uh, so special. And uh, he said to me, this is an image that David would have shot. And, and David Yarrow was one of my heroes. I absolutely love his, his work. I've taken his masterclass. And uh, to, to think that maybe this is something that can even be in the same in the same sentence as anything that he has ever photographed is, is extraordinarily humbling. I, I love this image for that reason.
0: Well, I love that you are including your heroes in one of these and what a wonderful standard it is to look up to. And so let's let's see if your next one is tells a different story? It does tell a very different story. And,
1: and, and, and the thing about this image, this is a great egret. And if I gave you 20 guesses as to where this image was taken, uh, unless you knew, you, 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 you wouldn't get it. Because when I tell people that this was taken in Central
0: Park... <laughs> of New York City, I may New York add. City, they're, they're, they're floored.
1: Um, but that is, in fact, where it was shot. It was shot over Turtle Pond. And I had gone out for an afternoon... Uh, with my, with my big, big lens and it would attract a ton of attention and uh, in the park and uh, I was on my way walking home thinking wow I, I didn't get any photographs today and I decided to uh, sit down by Turtle Pond uh, right behind, right next to Belvedere's castle. I sat on the east side of the pond on the rocks and one of the things that caught my attention was there was this beautiful beam of spring light that was cutting across the pond and you can see it here and I noticed that there was an egret in the shadows on the far side. And I set my camera hoping that this very white bird was gonna fly into the bright light which cut across the, uh, the middle of the pond, uh, which would then, if you're exposing for the, for the bird, you, you throw the background into darkness is what essentially happens. And I, and I, and I sat there and I said to myself, it's either gonna happen or it's not. And it did. And the bird not only came into the light, it flew through the light, and um, I, 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 I still don't, to this day, I, I, I pinch myself sometimes to think that uh, I got very, very lucky uh, with, with this type of image because you, you can't, I couldn't have scripted this any, any better in terms of uh, uh, having the bird fly right into the light. Uh, it, 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 was, it was quite a moment, and I was, again, the only one there, which makes this image unique And uh, I have an artistic side when it comes to photography. Um, I get criticized for that sometimes because I sometimes shoot images that people think are really great and they're not artistic enough for me and I don't like to show them to people. And I think that this is one of my more artistic images. Uh, When I posted it on Twitter, uh, Canon actually commented on it when they saw it, which was extraordinarily (laughs) extraordinarily humbling as, as, as well.
0: Well, I look at this photo and it certainly underscores the heightened the contrast of black and white, but what i'm drawn to are the droplets of water along the the talos the the feet I whatever I don't no. know what the right word is, but you see the droplets that as the bird is ascending he's bringing she whatever that may be is bringing the water with them. Did you know when you were shooting this you were capturing the droplets.
1: I, I didn't know I was capturing the droplets. I shoot with a, a camera that's got almost 50 megapixels. So uh, it's, 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 let me close the window here. i got some sirens. Uh, I did know that because this image is, the sun is about 20, 30 degrees off center backlit. In other words, the sun is behind the bird. Right. Uh, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. I knew that any dust, any particulate, any water, any bugs, Anything in the air that's uh, along with the bird uh, would be picked up because the camera has that kind of resolution. And when you are illuminating something from the side or from behind, you get that effect.
0: Yeah, it's just beautiful on the wings, the, 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 how the wings look different in the shade or in the, the, the way the sun hits the left wing differently than the right wing. I never mm-hmm. quite looked at it that way. And then the, the complete brightness of the tail. Is that, is that even, is that, is that a, do birds have tails? I'm not sure what that is.
1: Yeah, this bird is, a, the egret is a gorgeous bird. And, it, and it's even more gorgeous when, uh, when, it's, when it's on full display like this. I, I have a friend who uh, I've actually played hockey with him for many years. That's how we know one another, who is a uh, videographer for National Geographic and BBC uh, he's one of those guys that when you watch TV and you watch a nature program, you say to yourself, "How did they film that?" He's one of those. One of those. And uh, he he said to me, "This looks like the bird is taking off from the surface of the moon." Yeah, yeah that certainly. And so feels I, that I I call this image an angel on the moon uh, because it does look like the 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 surface of the moon to some to some degree.
0: Well, it captures a wonderful moment, and and now in stark contrast to this black and white. Let's see your next. Hmm. <laughs> I don't even know what to say uh, here. What, what, what's the caption associated with this wonderful bird? This is hawk at first light,
1: and uh, this is a this is a Cooper's hawk, and I took this image on Martin Luther King Day uh, about two years ago. Uh, I guess in 2020, and it was so bitter cold, Chuck, that I, I couldn't feel my hands and almost couldn't operate the camera. Hmm. And this is one of those interesting moments where, I mean, the light is, is gorgeous because it's literally seconds after uh, sunrise. Well, actually, I should say in sunrise plus enough to get over some of the uh, of the of the of the of the skyscrapers in in Central Park. That's sunrise because uh, at the beginning, at the, right at the moment of sunrise, you don't see the sun yet. It's got to get over the over the buildings. So the light is coming uh, on this bird, and it is bitter, bitter cold, and it's on Martin Luther King Day. It's six something in the morning, and no one is around and it's just me and this bird. And I turn around and I see it and it's, 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 it's 20 feet away from me. Hmm. And one of the really interesting things here is that typically wildlife doesn't give you time. It doesn't give you the opportunity and the, 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 the benefit of having, um, uh, I, I guess, a long period of time to take an image this bird sat there checking me out <laughs> just waiting as, for you <laughs> confident as can be yeah waiting for me and I, and I and i kept saying to myself how long do i have right when is it gonna leave right. and it did not and i probably took 300 pictures of this bird um oh, goodness over a period of about a half an hour and uh, again, one of those moments where you're just blessed. And uh, the, the hawks in Central Park in the dead of winter are are a sight to behold. Uh, you've got the Cooper's hawk and you've got the red-tail hawk. Uh, this is this is the Cooper's, obviously, but uh, it's it's one of my favorite images. It's it's it it looks great in black and white as well. Hmm. But that blue background is is too stunning, and the eyes are too stunning uh, to to convert this over and 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 show it in black and white. So I I do sell it as a uh, as a color image for those people who love, who love color.
0: It's magnificent. You know, what I see is, is an animal that's in control and command that is standing tall with conviction. This is, if we could associate this to a human being, you see one who is standing tall with a strong executive presence, very calm. And, and there, it doesn't matter what's going on right in front of him or her, and in your case, that bird knew you were there and was on display and confident enough not to have to leave. Oh, there's no question about it. And,
1: and, I, and, and the camera that I shoot with now has a, has a completely silent shutter. Right. The camera used for this image uh, was the Canon uh, 5D Mark IV. It's not, a, it's not a quiet camera. You hear the click. And this was a very quiet morning. Right. It was, uh, there wasn't a lot of wind. It was bitter, bitter cold. Um, Hmm. and, and I was close enough to this bird that there's no doubt in my mind
0: that it heard every, every click of the shutter. And that magnificent blue background, is that a reflection of the time of day?
1: That is, uh, that's the, that's the sun illuminating a sky early in the morning. Wow.
0: It's magnificent because as
1: as, yeah. yeah, as you, hmm. the the most beautiful time of day, uh, they call it the golden hour is the hour after sunrise and the hour before sunset.
0: No question.
1: And that's because the light is soft, the shadows are long, uh, and, and you get things like this, like this beautiful blue uh, backdrop behind this bird.
0: Uh, well, let's take a look at one more, and then I'd like to sure. summarize all of this and help us to understand how to better appreciate all of this for those that want, may want to learn more. Sure. Mm. This is <laughs> uh, one of the great five of Africa.
1: This is the African Buffalo. And this was also taken in Lewa. Uh, It was a morning uh, where there was a big herd and we were able to get pretty close. Uh, You can't get terribly close to the Buffalo, but there was one Buffalo in the herd that stood out more than any. And and this one was, was that one. And the reason it stood out for me was because When we went to Lewa and when we went to Africa, it was November, which is not too long after the Great Migration. And one of the one of the things about the Great Migration is that it's it's hard. It's hard on on, on the animals. It's not easy. Uh, a lot of animals lose their life, uh, and 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 as a result, this animal looked. It looked weathered. It looked tired. Mm. It's got the mud and the grass. And it looks like it's been through hell yeah. to get
0: where it is today. And how, uh, what, what was the distance? Probably about 25 yards. And was he or
1: she cognizant of you? When, when an animal was looking at you like this animal was looking at me as the photographer, there's no question about that in my mind. I I always assume that an animal is 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 aware of me. Right. Uh, And and there's no doubt about that. There were crocodiles nearby, and I'm sure that they were very aware of of them as well. Right. But the the weather, almost tarnished look of this animal is why I call it fortitude. Uh, That's the name of this image. And
0: uh, what what we're drawn to, I don't know anyone else, any of our viewers watching, I'm drawn immediately to the eyes. And if you look at the eyes and the horns, there's something like a synchronicity between looking at those eyes and knowing the horns on the extremes, on the right and left, it's one visual palette to me. Mm-hmm. Such a beautiful thing. Two eyes, horns on each side, two ears. There's just the, 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 the coupling of the body parts that are all speaking in unison on the body of something that has been through a lot of a lot. right yeah and, there's and, a lot of
1: symmetry to 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 the head of this animal and and, and one of the things that um that, that photographers always always think is that if you're going to take a picture of the head of an animal the eyes better be tack sharp and they are they are here, thankfully, uh, or I wouldn't have presented this image. And you could even see the eyelashes. And, and this is an image that, uh, when I sell it on my website, I think it's available as a thirty-six by twenty-four, which is which is a pretty sizable image. And uh, it's 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 very sharp, and you could see all these little details uh, in the in the fur, and the, and the, and, the, and the grass and the mud. Uh, all of those things are evident in, in the image uh, when it's blown up really large, and it's it's uh, it gives this image a lot
0: of. Um, A lot of texture. Well, the lashes give it such a human element Mm -hmm. because when I looked at it, the first thing I was drawn to was the left eye lash. And that lash not only makes this animal humane in a way that we can try to understand what we're looking at, but also there's a sadness in the eyes. Mm -hmm. And often when we see human beings who are either in tears or you know they're speaking with their eyes, this buffalo is speaking the same language
1: there's an old saying in photography that when you shoot in color you see a person's clothes and when you shoot in black and white you see into their soul and while that quote is about people it's true for animals as well
0: right and i
1: think that what you're describing is exactly that here we can see into this animal's soul
0: right. and
1: into its being Right. Uh, if it was in color, you, you, you wouldn't feel that way at all. And, and that's why, I, again, this is a black and white image.
0: Well, it's beautiful, Ben, and thank you for sharing. Let's shut off the the photography for those that don't have the luxury of seeing the pictures. Again, this is Chuck Garcia. You're listening to A Climb to the Top Stories of Transformation. We are available on a multitude of radio networks, including C-Suite, Amazon, Apple, Spotify, and of course, our YouTube channel. My guest today is Ben Scheiman. Ben is a financial services executive where he has a day job for many years that he does so well. But what we are talking about, as we have with many of our guests, is this other thing that drives a passion and a sense of purpose to bring Ben's work to the world, which is really in the service of others. And when we think about the artwork on our walls and our phones, they didn't get there by accident. So Ben, as you think about the world going forward and your your desire to want to continue to bring your photography to the world, has anything changed in from the time that you started taking photographs professionally to what you're looking at in the future as toward how you do this? Yes.
1: There is no doubt about, about it that the first thing that comes to mind is technology. Mm-hmm. I started taking pictures right at the time when digital began. Mm-hmm. But I would say that Technology is not, uh, is, 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 is for me, is not what this is all about. It's not about what camera you use or how many frames per second it shoots or how many megapixels it has. For me, it's about composing an image and capturing a moment. And what's changed for me is I believe I've become more skilled with my eyes and I've also become far more self-critical as to what I'm willing to call an image that kind of meets the cut. So
0: David Yarrow Yarrow always says, is this an image that the world needs to see? Right, but what you're discussing is the constant reinvention Mm -hmm. or recalibrating of the standard you bring to this art form. Right. But it seems like the better you get at this art form, the tougher the critic in you (laughs) begins to emerge. Well,
1: then there's a reason for that. And and the reason for that is because of technology, there are more photographers who, well, you can't really see it, but I'm holding up my iPhone. Everyone is a photographer today.
0: You got this. You got
1: everyone is a photographer, parents, my sister, my friends, my wife. And as a result, it becomes harder and harder for, people to produce unique professional work that the world needs to see. Right. And as a result, I think that you have to be tougher on yourself. You've got to think more about what you're doing in order to capture an image that is unique and tells a story. And if it doesn't, then, then you're not making the cut and you're not Bringing something to the table that's unique. So, while it would be easy for me to tell you that technology is the thing that's changed the most, and I leverage the technology to be able to bring you all of this work, that's not what it is. That's not what it is for me. The technology is great. I'm never going to say that it's not fabulous Um, and that I don't love the latest and greatest uh, that Canon, and I only shoot Canon, uh, uh, makes available. And their cameras are fabulous and they've changed dramatically over the last 20 years. But for me, it's not the technology. For me, it's, it's, it's what's in here and my eyes and, and the ability to, to try and do something that is unique. That's what I think it's all about.
0: Well, this is a good way to end it because what you are bringing, Ben, and I think this cuts across everyone who's been on our show and all of our listeners, whether it's photography, finance, engineering, whatever you may do. What Brent is describing is the beginner's mind, that the the expert runs out of options, but the beginner, every time you look at something as if it's new, it's a world of endless possibilities. And when you combine that and you integrate it with the high standard you have for yourself, that discriminating portion becomes those things that the world views as being valuable, which is where you monetize your business. Do I have that right? I think so, Yeah. Yeah, for sure, ben, ben. For those, I love your photography. When I saw your Thank site, you. I just couldn't look away, and I went to your site thinking I was going oh, let me check it out. I will spend a couple of minutes. I think I was on there for twenty minutes because there was one leopard I couldn't stop looking, and and it was talking to me. And I said, "Oh, that's my leopard." I probably gave it a name because it was so personal. With, Where with do we work. find Ben? Yeah, Schott? I think it actually maybe the cheetah image. Uh, the two. Two? yeah it was a two Was it a cheetah yeah. I I don't two. know one cheetahs. cat from another I just know it was an African cat
1: yeah those were those were the cheetahs uh they're brothers and they're sitting together in yeah. the uh in the Masamara uh right uh, right at sunset and ah, they're sitting shoulder to shoulder and
0: magnificent it was, it was beautiful, beautiful. It was an so Thank for you. those of the, those of you that would like to spend a little bit of time just getting lost in this wonderful artwork where do we find Ben Scheinman
1: we go to Ben Shiman, uh, B-E-N-S-H-Y-M-A-N dot com, mm-hmm.
0: and can we follow you? And where are the social media? And-
1: yes, on my on, my, you can follow me by registering for my newsletter. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a spammer. I only send, uh, I only send maybe three or four newsletters. That's the plan, at least uh, per year, okay. uh, to update you on the latest and greatest of what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So you could register for the newsletter on the site, and uh, you could also follow me on Twitter mm-hmm. and Instagram. And you can find links to those through the website to to my to my Instagram and Twitter page.
0: And Ben, I would like to to conclude this show. If you, if there is a, you know, a lot of our students who were both affiliated with Columbia and very proud to, so a lot of my students in the Graduate School of Engineering tune in. If you were to leave a message with them about the alignment of passion and purpose, and they were sitting right there and they asked you for one piece of advice, what would it be? Follow your heart. Real simple, just like it's your photography. You yeah,
1: Because I, I will tell you that when I graduated Columbia Business School, and I'm not going to knock my education at all. It's a wonderful yeah. education. Of course. My, and, I, and, I, and I never take a second of it for granted. But it was just banking and consulting and Wall Street. And, and that's where everybody went. Right. But I always say to myself that I had I had a passion for photography back in 1996 when I graduated. And I started doing then what I do now.
0: Where would my photography be? Where would my photography business be now? That wasn't the path that you guys were told to take. That wasn't the path, not
1: told to take, that wasn't the path where the herd went. So break away from the herd, follow your heart, do what inspires you, and I mean, hell, if if if, if digging graves is, is what you enjoy more than anything in the world, go do it and be the best at it that, of anybody that
0: out there. Beautiful, and bring the beginner's mind as with Ben been Well, Ben, thank you so much for coming on to the show. It was wonderful to meet you many months ago, and I'm delighted we came into each other's lives, but I really appreciate your contribution to A Climb to the Top. I appreciate
1: you having me here today. It's extraordinarily humbling, and I was so grateful when you asked me, and uh, I hope that uh, I hope that we get to do this
0: again. Oh, indeed. We'll collaborate again. And to our yeah. listeners and viewers, you have listened to A Climb to the Top. We come out every week, generally on Wednesday at noon Eastern time, We love hearing from you. You can follow us on Instagram. You can subscribe on your YouTube channel. You can hear us on four different radio networks. But the most important thing is this is a platform for anyone that has a message to say, of which I so support. So if you would like to come onto the show or you know someone who does, please, the communication lines are wide open. We are sending a very warm and heartfelt good night. And to Ben Shimon, thank you once again. I look forward to our next collaboration. Thank you so much.